0: Pastor Xavier Reese says, contentment is something you just can't buy.
1: Ladies, you know how it is. You go into your closet, you cannot squeeze one more dress in there. You don't even have to iron your clothes because they're so packed together. And you open it up and you say, I don't have anything to wear. It's all relative, isn't it? Whether you live in the United States or Afghanistan, hell and destruction never full, and neither are the eyes of man ever satisfied
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When asked how much money is enough, Nelson Rockefeller reportedly replied, just a little bit more. And so King Solomon was right on the money when he wrote in Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. And coming up, we'll see in today's Simple truth study just what the wisest man in the world weighs in with concerning money and the accumulation of wealth. Here, Pastor Xavier begins a message simply titled, The Problems of Money. Let's listen.
1: The idea that financial success brings happiness and fulfillment in life is not true. In fact, it is often the very thing that destroys the happiness in a person's life. It is recorded of one of America's richest men that before he died he said this to his friend, quote, I don't see what good it is or that it has done to me. All this money that you say is mine. I can't eat it, I can't spend it. In fact, I never saw it and never had it in my hands for a moment. I dress no better than my private secretary and cannot eat as much as my coachman I live in a big boarding house for servants having dyspepsia, cannot drink champagne, and most of my money is in the hands of others who use it mainly for their own benefit. This is a testimony of one who put his treasure in a bag with holes. Money. It's a problem, but it's also a problem to the Christian community. We are not exempt. Solomon moves to his Next quest to search out by human wisdom concerning all that is done under the heaven by the sons of men as a means to reach satisfaction and fulfillment of life. He has looked at science in chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. He has looked at pleasure, chapter 2, verse 2 through 11. He has looked at wisdom, chapter 2, verse 12 through 16. And he has looked at philosophy, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. They all come up empty. Now Solomon searches out the possibility of satisfaction and fulfillment in money. Verses 8 down to 20 of chapter 5. Let me read the text and we'll give you the points. If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at that matter. For high officials watch over high officials and higher officials over them. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. The king himself is served from the field. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for the owner, to his herd, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return, to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a severe evil, that just... Exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? All his days he also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow, and sickness, and anger. Here is what I have seen It is good and fitting for one to eat and to drink, and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun. All the days of his life, which God gives to him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and given him power to eat it, to receive the heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Solomon searches out the possibility of satisfaction, fulfillment, and fulfillment. And money. There are three problems that Solomon presents to us regarding money in this text. First, the love of money, verses 8 through 12. That's a problem. Secondly, the deceit of money, verses 13 through 17. And thirdly, the proper use of money, verses 18 through 20. And that is a problem. Now, let's begin with the first the love of money. Here's the first problem. This is the root base. This is the foundation. First, money corrupts government. Kind of amazing that Solomon is the one who declares and admits this since he was king, right? (laughs) That's good. Solomon declares that one should not be surprised at the corrupt dealings of government when it comes to money. We look at our own government. We cannot afford our government. We're in the hole now. Solomon declares also that the various levels of officials make dishonesty tempting and a practice. I like what Solomon says. He's very truthful. He said, now, when you see all these things happening, uh, don't marvel. Here he's acknowledging man's depravity, his sinfulness. And the officials here, they're, they're on different levels. They oversee for accountability, but there's corruption, Right. Notice Solomon declares that the concept of government is good. In principle, he says this in verse 9, in that it is to profit all the people, including the ruler, as a reward of his leadership. Nothing wrong with that. In principle, government is good. In practice, kind of (laughs) stinks. It goes bad. The mention of the field implies the agricultural society of the day, which would, of course, bring the revenue. Remember when... The people wanted a king like all the other nations. Samuel was the prophet. And they said, Ah, we don't want your sons to rule over us, Samuel. They're corrupt. Give us a king like all the nations. And Samuel warned them. He says, He will take the best of your crops. He will take your sons. He will take your daughters. Ah, we don't care. What a price we pay when we don't want God to rule over us and we want to be just like the world. Notice secondly in verse 10. Money breeds greed. (laughs) Solomon provides the outcome of loving money With a proverb that reveals greed And so Solomon declares that the person who lives They will not be satisfied with silver Why? They deceive themselves because they love money See, when, when you're enslaved to something It doesn't gratify or satisfy It only creates a greater hunger like the heroin addict. You can't satisfy it. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, 1 Timothy 6.10. Understand that, Christian, okay? You've got the extreme that one thinks that nobody should have anything, and then you've got the other extreme that thinks that everybody should share everything. <laughs> okay? The Bible never condemns money. Money is amoral. There's nothing wrong with it. We make it evil. Solomon declares that the person who loves abundance... With increase, will neither be satisfied. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty says that hell and destruction are never full, and neither are the eyes of man ever satisfied. I tell this every time to my wife and my daughter when they want a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Ladies, you know how it is. You go into your closet, and you cannot squeeze one more dress in there. You don't even have to iron your clothes because they're so packed together. <laughs> And you open it up and you say, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? Whether you live in the United States or Afghanistan. Hell and destruction never full, neither are the eyes of man. That includes us too, ladies, not just you. Ever satisfied. Notice thirdly, in verse 11, money consumes itself. Solomon declares that the person who sees their money increase. We'll also see the number of people he needs to care for those riches, and it will consume some of the proceeds. You remember we went over Solomon's provisions in 1 Kings 4, 22 and 23. King Solomon raised the labor force out of all of Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men, and he sent out these men to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts, and they were one month in Lebanon and two at home, and Adonarium was the charge of the labor force. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens, 80,000 who quarried stones in the mountains, besides 3,300 for the, um, the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work in First Kings 5, 14, and 16 for the building of the temple. Can you imagine how much money just to maintain that? That's just uh, company people. <laughs> you got to feed them every day, three times a day. And so notice Solomon here in verse 11, still he declares that the only profit or benefit the owners have is in seeing their increase with their eyes on paper and accounting books, for much goes to maintain the level of the lifestyle. And isn't it true? A lot of people are like that. They're wealthy on paper, but if they cash out, they'll be indebted to the government. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like the eagle towards the heavens. Proverbs 23, 5. (laughs) Hard come, easy go. Interesting. Now notice fourthly in verse 12. Money ruins health. The love of money ruins health. Solomon once again provides the third proverb to reveal the contrast of one who possesses money and the one who is possessed by money. Listen to him in verse 12. He says, The sleep of laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Notice that little or much implies he can be poor, middle, or rich. Christians read the scriptures with colored glasses and they come up with weird conclusions that Christians can't have money or that a Christian could be rich. What he's talking about, the contrast of one who possesses material things and one who is possessed by them. There's the contrast. Solomon declares that the one who works hard and is content with his pay, be it little or much experiences what? sweet sleep now you know that there is nothing more gratifying than sleep it's a waste of time but it feels so good (laughs) I mean you realize we sleep one-third of our life away if you live to be sixty years old you slept twenty years away It's a lot of time But if we don't sleep, we die. We need it. And the last thing you need is to worry so much about what you have that you can't sleep. I I, I sleep good. About two weeks ago, there was two nights that I just, you know, one of those things. I mean, I can drink coffee. I go to bed. It doesn't bother me. But how sad it would be that I can't sleep because of my finances. Because I'm so worried about them. It is vain for you to rise up early, the prophet says, to sit up late. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Psalm 127, verse 2. See, it's God as we depend upon him. Notice Solomon declares also that the person who has abundance of money will be hindered from sleeping. It's very straightforward. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 4, 8. See, when God is in your trust, when you're living for those things, then, of course, you've got to take care of them, right? So you've got to figure out, you've got to think, you've got to connive, you've got to figure out, you've got to check, you've got to balance, you've got to this, and you've got to go and you can't sleep. In 1923, a group of the world's most successful financiers met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Collectively, these tycoons control more wealth than there was in the United States Treasury. And for years, newspapers and magazines had been printing their success stories and urging the youth of the nation of America to follow their examples. 27 years later, this was their end. Listen to them. This was 1950. Charles Schwab, the president of the largest independent steel company, lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life and died penniless. Arthur Cooten, the greatest wheat speculator, died abroad insolvent. Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, was released some time ago from Sing Sing prison. Albert Fall, the member of the president's cabinet, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear on Wall Street, committed suicide. Leon Fraser, the president of the Bank of International Settlement, committed suicide. Ivar Kruger, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. All of these men had learned how to make money, but not one of them had learned how to live. The corruption of government is not limited or confined to third world countries or the communist countries, is it? For our own nation reveals the corruption of our leadership from the president on down to the normal policeman and the worker where you work at. It is innate in man to sin, to lie, to steal. And when the boundaries become gray instead of black and white, it becomes a practice. Society begins to disintegrate. The Bible says there's not one good, no, not one. There is none that does not possess sin nature, Romans three twelve and 1 John 1, 8. So we've got a problem with man's heart. Unless it's ruled by God, there's big problems. But even as we're ruled by God, the potential problem is there if we don't yield to God, right? We're not the exception unless we walk in the Spirit. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world. 1 John 2.16. Those three areas are going to hit you all the time in me for the rest of my life. Now we've got to get prepared how we're going to handle them. Right now you may sing one story, but then when fortune comes down the road, or maybe misfortune, maybe we should relabel that. And all of a sudden you have an inheritance that you didn't know about. What's it going to do to you? How's it going to change your lifestyle?" We have all heard of people who make millions of dollars in their companies yearly. And then they get a little greedy and they try to figure out how it is they can cut some corners and they get involved in some illegal transactions and all of a sudden they're found out and they lose it all. Greed. One day Jesus told a young ruler to go sell all his possessions and give them to the poor. Matthew tells us he walked away sorrowful because he had great riches. Matthew 19, 21 and 22. You see, he said he had kept all the commandments from his youth, outwardly. But Jesus put his finger on his heart. He said, Your treasure is your money. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, Christian, listen to him. Jesus is not saying that you cannot have money. He says you can't serve money in God. That's the context. And if you have money, you serve God. And you use money. Not the reverse. The love of money is a problem with people. It's a problem. Secondly, Solomon says that there's the problem of deceit in money. The deceit of money. Notice first in verse 13, one of the problems with money as a deceiver is that money destroys lives. The evil is called severe evil there in verse 13. A grievous or deceasing hurt The places under the sun, mark it well. It's repeated two or three times through this section we're studying. The existence of life on earth apart from God. If you are handling your finances apart from God, woe to you. And I mean that very, very seriously. You don't have to make a lot of money to get in trouble. The piling up of riches to a person's own hurt, notice that. Almost like Romans 2, 4 says that those people who keep rejecting the goodness of God are damning or storing up for themselves wrath against wrath in the day of judgment. So the person who's piling up riches for themselves, they're only adding to their own hurt. They don't see it that way. They just keep looking at the increase. And they don't see the potential danger. Jesus said one day, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things one possesses. Then he spoke a parable, saying to them, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, since I have no more room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. His first mistake, his soul didn't need these things. His body wanted them. That's his first mistake. Secondly, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he. Here's the application. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Luke 12, 15 through 21. What's the application? So is he who is not rich towards God. Is he saying that you can't be a Christian and have money? No. He's saying, so is he who is not rich towards God, but his trust is in those riches. So don't get weird as a Christian. Extreme. Poverty or the other extreme of the positive confession, the name it and claim it and grab it and nab it philosophy, which is heresy, that it's your divine right to be rich. I notice that their ministries don't flourish like Ethiopia or any of those places, only in America. (laughs) Notice secondly, verse 14 through 15. Another deceptive thing about money is that money departs suddenly. (laughs) Verse 14, it says, through misfortune, which means bad business deals. I mean, there's always a guy who's telling you about a good deal, right? Oh, you've got to invest in this. Boy, it's a sure shot. Oh, don't leave it in there 10 12%. Hey, I can get you 20%, 40 50%. Two months, you'll be retired, man. Whoa. And what happens? Greed gets us. And we lose what we have. There's a guy who came out to me last service. He says, you know, this message was right up my alley. I lost 140000 just three months ago and something like that. Gone. Everybody always telling you how you can make it. I'm always amazed at how confident people are with my money. (laughs) If it's so easy, why is he telling me? (laughs) Through his loss, he has nothing to leave his son or children. Still verse 14. He wasn't content, so what happens? He gambles it. Now even in conservative business, you can lose. But I mean, you use wisdom, right? But here he loses all. Through, this, through his misfortune, he leaves the same way he came into the world. How's that? Naked. You ever see a baby born with clothes on? You leave the same. And Job said, naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God wrong or foolishly? Job 1, 21 and 22. Wow, that's a good perspective. Do you possess things or do things possess you? It's a very important question.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing our time together to a close today by issuing a very fundamental challenge concerning what and where your treasure lies. And we've been listening to a valuable message in our series of Ecclesiastes titled The Problems of Money. And there's much more to come next time. But if you'd like to receive a copy for more in-depth personal study at your own pace, we can provide that on CD. We just ask that you send along $4 to help cover the costs. Now, the title once again is The Problems of Money. You can request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station, however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. And then join Pastor Xavier Reese right here for more Simple Truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California